Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. We're gonna talk about 5Xing your meetings with these prospecting strategies. Uh, familiar faces, right? Shout out to Morgan and Kyle. Welcome back to the show, gentlemen. It's great to have you back. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> Good to be here. Good stuff right there. If you guys aren't following these two humans, go do it now. We're gonna give you their LinkedIn's at the end anyway. Go ahead and scan this QR code, take your phone out. Scan this QR code. It's going to take you to sellbetter.xyz where you can learn more about what we're doing, why we're doing it, and who we serve. That's you, the frontline reps uh, and your leaders, right? I see a lot of, look, like, we're upwards of 20% senior leadership in the room right now. Look at this. This is amazing. Check out the people in the room. Fantastic. Nice. Great. Hop on over to our YouTube channel and subscribe. You're going to get a lot of highlights, great things to talk about there on the YouTube channel. I want to give a big shout out to our partners, Clary. What's up, Clary in the house? Sell better. And JB Sales, always partnering. JB Sales, where we cut our teeth, and now we're doing this on the media side. Fantastic partnership going on right there. And I'm loving OneShot. So check out OneShot. That's brand new. Listen, as always, we suggest that you invest in yourself. It's on you to become successful. So we're currently offering a special price for your membership of JB Sales. I'm going to put it in the link in the chat right now. This is the price you only get in this room. Do not share this. This is for the people that have come to the show. You get this price coming from this room to that particular price. So go get it. And then I'm have to see OneShot. If you guys don't know about OneShot, this is a prospecting platform that'll help you ditch that spray and pray mentality that's really outdated and start leading with intent. Big shot, big shot out to OneShot. So go ahead and check out OneShot.ai to learn more. All right, let's give you a little bit about what you're going to get today. We're going to talk about some co-prospecting stuff and give you the data behind that. We're going to talk about all the things that matter when it comes to reps working together. What does it mean to co-prospect? And then we're going to give you some working above and below the power line information, some stuff that might help you to manage those relationships. Let's do this. We're three minutes in. Talk to me about the data. For the most part, a lot of SDRs and AEs in the room. We appreciate the leadership that's come out. Uh, tell me about the data. What does the data say about prospecting as a team, Kyle? Yeah, so... I was building an SDR team back in the kind of the mid to late 2010s and following, trying to follow the the playbooks that exist at the time. And the main one, the kind of the Bible for, for those of you who've been in the game for a while is uh, a book by Aaron Ross called Predictable Revenue. Yeah. And that book was basically all about specialization and the virtues of specialization and basically was the foundation or creation of the sales development role. And what I started to see as we were following this playbook, and it seemed to be working pretty well, I found that there were, yes, people were getting specialized, but also silos were developing. And so while the SDR and the AE, as an example, were meant to be work, working together, working the same accounts, there was this wall that was kind of forming between them. And the wall that forms between them creates some kind of animosity between them as well. I'm sure for SDRs, AEs, I know Morgan and I have talked about this before. If you've ever been an SDR before, if you've ever been an AE before, you're used to that little bit of crunchiness and finger pointing and, and misalignment. Let's let's have some fun with the audience. I got to get Morgan's perspective. If you are only familiar with the SDR role, that's your job. It's the only sales job you've had. Put a one in the chat. If you have had both the SDR and the AE role, put a two in the chat. And if you've only been an AE, that's the only role you know, let me get a three in the chat. This is interesting. I just want to see like the spread. A lot of ones and twos. We still got SDRs and AEs. Not a lot of threes. I see a three. I see a three. Okay. All right. Morgan, talk to me. Talk to me about what the data says about co-prospecting team selling. What do you know? Uh, <laughs> no, it's actually interesting seeing the, the one season three. So. I know. I know. <laughs> um, 
I think I think one of the, the one of the things in training thousands, hundreds of thousands of reps is everyone, rightfully so, always wants to get in front of the one buyer that they want to get in front of, right? So it's like, hey, we're just trying to get in front of the VP of marketing. It's my deal. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And I'm like, okay, like, cool. But like, there's what, nine to 11 decision makers, right? In in the buying cycle to some degree, right? And obviously in certain cases with SMB, things of that nature, like it could be different, but like, that's what the data is saying. So that's why I always encourage people, you have to look at this as like an entirety effect and not just a singularity effect. Mm. Like there are multiple ways to enter a house, right? And most people think that the only way to get in, in the house, and what I mean by house is getting in the meeting, is through the front door. Well, there's a back door, there's a window, there's a garage, right? The garage. So, Yo, I'm a garage guy. I want to hit the button in the car, let the whole bay door open, and let's all go in. <laughs> and I'm not telling you to go to go, you know, go in houses and that's not what I'm saying, but it gives you the example of what I'm saying is that like there are multiple ways to enter the house, just like there's multiple ways to enter the cow. And just because you're like, I need to reach out to this one persona and it's, it's if I don't, it's going to be over. You don't have to do it that way. Mm. And if you think about things that are from a different perspective, right, which is how can I get it through multiple angles, that's where you ultimately can win um, in this code prospecting. And that's really important for even for the ones here to understand as well. Yes. And I couldn't agree more, Morgan. And to answer your question, James, because I did not answer the first time you asked, the, we ran a little experiment at, at Looker that said uh, my previous company before Clary, this was maybe oh, right. 2017 or so, where we had a cohort of accounts that we said SDR only outreach. We had another cohort of accounts that said AE only outreach. And they had a third cohort that said AE plus SDR. Mm. And the response rates, the meeting booked rates were something like 5% for the SDR only, about 4% for AE only, and then 12% for the accounts that we co-prospected into. And why is that? We're about to talk about why that is. But the teams working together, the account plans coming together jointly, all the wisdom from how to prospect coming from the SDR, all the wisdom about how to sell and the entire buying group coming from the AE converging into a really nice, robust account plan and a really nice, robust division of labor to Morgan's point just then, so that we were confident that we were hitting all the right buyers, the potential buyers in the buying group with the right messaging at the right time from different angles, different yeah. channels, different people, LinkedIn, email, call it like it was just fully canvassing that account. Was it higher effort? Of course. But those response rates being triple what they are makes it all worth it. So I've been a huge and firm believer in this. It's not just for enterprise accounts, by the way. This works just as well for SMBs as it works for Fortune 100 accounts. So it's worth investing in. Even at the SMB level, you're going to find two, three buyers or at least two, three influencers in the buying decision at SMB level. To your point that you put in the chat there, uh, Kyle, and I want to encourage you guys, as you hear these things that these two experts are talking about, throw your questions in the Q&A because we're going to leave time at the end. We'll answer as many as we can. I might pit stop if I see a good one that I'm hot on. You know, We'll talk about that one, but throw them in the Q&A if you have questions for these guys. And I just launched that question about working together, but I think uh, James DiGiorgio, I think I said your name correctly. Let me know if I botched that, but I think it's DiGiorgio. Uh, I, he said, I am the team. Type the word solo in the chat. If you are the team, I'm curious how many like full cycle, like, no, I do it all. Like type the word solo in the chat. There's probably a couple at least, right? Look, we got a lot of solo racks up in here. <laughs> so I, I have some, some thoughts on this. Like, yes, full cycle is, I think probably the wave of the future. I, I think that's the way that we're trending right now. Again, Morgan and I have talked about this in other forums, but it seems yep. with the benefit of AI and all the rest, it feels like there's going to be more of a kind of a return to full cycle selling. 
That does not mean that co-prospecting goes away. If you are a full cycle seller, you probably have some other partner in marketing or as a sales engineer or even somebody on your team. And so you can figure out the same way to divide this labor between all those various members of the go-to-market team that you are engaging with because you're the quarterback. You may be a full cycle rep, but you're still the quarterback for all these deals. So don't sleep on the fact that you have a supporting cast that has knowledge that you don't have that you can pull in and make this process, this co-prospect thing come to life for yourself. Yeah, I, I like this. And I like the way that we're kind of making this a team activity. We've said all the time that team team sales is a team sport, right? Some people right. will say this. I've heard it for a long time. Uh, and look at the data here in the room, right? For 59% of the of our, of our voters total. For your sometimes and your depends on the account, which I think are the front runners here, I feel like if you look at your success rates in those accounts, you're going to find that it's higher than your success rates in the other ways that you might prospect. So double down on that, right? If you have SMB, like, you know, really look at it. When it comes to the distribution of roles, we have 11 buyers, right? We have, that's a lot of buyers. And that's in a, a company of 500 people to Kyle's point in the chat there. Imagine how many buyers there are in a team of like 5,000. So let's talk about the distribution of this buying group and these key buying activities. Morgan, uh, I got this from your webinar that you did with Kyle recently. Talk to me about how this breaks down. Yeah. So I, I think at the end of the day, what's important is to understand who's who with, within the buy cycle that you have, right? So, and, and we'll dive into this here in a minute, but when you're thinking about how you're going to go about the buying group and then how you're going to get in front of people, you do have to understand um, at the end of the day that like, it's like 95, kind of a lot of people are here, 95% of people like are not in buying market, right? And 5% of people are. So the way you actually think about like prospecting, getting in front of people is I'm going to try to figure out how much information can I get from other people to then get to maybe that exact, right? And so as you see a lot of people here, right, are researching into play online, right? They're meeting with potential suppliers at some point, but a lot of it is they're not actually ready to even get there yet. So that's why the one of the key things you can do, and I actually think that actually CMO posted this, uh, I think Callie, I think they talked about this, but the goal is, is that how can I find as many allies to support me to sell to the executive team or to at least get a meeting with them? Right. So that's why it's so important to reach out to people that are the, the, the managers or maybe the end user and get as much intel and information as possible. So when I get to the point where I am meeting with the buyer group, I'm more prepared. Now you could get to the person first, so that's fine. But I'm always trying to figure out how do I make sure that I collect as much information as possible to gain allies. And that's so important because, you know, for all the people that are sellers, you know this, is that really at the end of the day, when you're selling, you're providing contextual information to make it very simple for the buyer to make a decision. And it's not overcomplicated. And the way to do that is you have to get allies internally who are going to help you sell internally. You are enable them to help them sell them better. So that's why it's important if you want to get meetings to find other people that you could tap into the organization to leverage that information to get an easier meeting, right? That's the best personalization you could get is to say, hey, Kyle, I talked to four people on your team. He's going to be like, wait, what? You talked to four people on my team? Yeah. And does that take a little bit longer sometimes? Sure, but your response rates will be higher. And so that's the way I think about as people are meeting and collaborating, I'm trying to get as much information as possible because then it's going to allow me to get the meetings faster. Yep. And the deals will move faster. If I, if I have a choice, if I have a choice between doing 150 activities and getting no meetings and doing 50 activities and getting six meetings, I think I'm going to go with the latter. No brain, right? It's a brain. That is a no brain worse. Uh, Kyle, Kyle, we're talking about this distribution here and I want to give you your, your time in the sun, your moment in the sun here. 
Uh, what, what does this mean? Like, since all the data points to team selling as a win, what are the actions that AEs and SDRs together, maybe even some CS in there that can they can take to book more meetings, to break through the noise more? Uh, and then I'm going to launch this because we're talking about these personas. I'm going to ask this question. What's the approach that you typically use and see success with? Kyle, break this down for everybody in action. So just a, a huge plus one to everything Morgan said as the recipient of a lot of this kind of cold email. The ones that stand out are the ones that are really thoroughly researched by conversations that have happened with members of my team. If you can come to me with a perspective of what my team thinks, you're, you're teaching me something. And that is a segue to answer your question, James. Educating your buyers is a critically important part of cold outreach these days. You can see all this time that they're spending doing research, trying to find the answers, going to g2.com, reading Forrester and Gardner reports, like doing all this stuff. If you can short circuit that for them and make the education process easier, and hopefully your product or solution or whatever has some sort of self-guided tour that you can send or some video that you overview you can send or just something like that to give them more of an understanding of what the value props are and how you can help them, the better off you're going to be. And then to Morgan's point, if you can personalize that to the pains that they are facing, that you validate it with people on their team, that's above and beyond. And that is... Uh, again, like short-circuiting this enormously long and arduous research education process. If you can make that life easier, you, make their life easier in that respect, you're going to be way better off. This is interesting, right? Because this is a collaborative thing that you're doing. And uh, you know, we've said on a couple different shows now, especially recently, the bar is super low. These small collaborative efforts that you're doing, these actions that you're taking that let people know that you took five minutes to get to know their business, their time, what they care about now, that stuff really matters. Uh, when you look at the data here, it looks like it's pretty even. I see a lot of top down. I see a lot of bottom up. Uh, yeah, th you know, I don't, I don't blame you guys for using both. I think that I think there's a, a, some room to talk about that, right? We should be using both. So let's let's talk a little bit, Morgan, about how the two roles function differently through the entire deal cycle. There was a time I'll just go, I'm probably going to hit a hot button. You can type the word hot. In the uh, in the chat, if this has happened to you, I'm gonna I'm gonna touch a sensitive subject. You guys know me; I push the envelope a little bit. But there was a time when AEs had this mentality of like, "Yo, just make the introduction and set the meeting, and then get the f out of the way," right? And this this is contradictory to what the data is pointing to. What actually works? Talk to me about this, Morgan. Like, wh where's that mentality now, and how has it morphed and changed? Uh, yeah. So Kyle and I have actually chopped it about this uh, before, and I know you'll probably dive into like how your team is shaped up today, Kyle, but I, really at the end of the day, like it really is looking at how does your business model and how does your sales cycle work? So I have worked with teams where the SDR is scheduling, they're co-prospecting, the SDR schedules the meeting, but they actually do a 15 minute discovery call. And then once that's been valid, then they do hand it off to the AE. I know teams that like the SDR will schedule the meeting, but they're on for the first 10 minutes. The AE runs the rest of the discovery and then the handoff is there. And then some people just do the handoff. I think depending on your volume and how much you're doing, probably the handoff SDRAE makes make sense, right? If you're scheduling like 20 to 30 meetings a month, like that's a little bit different. But there is a case where if someone has done a very thoughtful and well done job to reach out to someone and they've connected, to, for them to come on the call for 10 minutes to do like the intros and discovery and just listen to see what's going on, which will then make them a better seller. So I actually think there's a lot of collaborative nature where the SDR can go on there for 10 minutes and do those things. But then obviously that does eat into their time to prospect. So I would just say 
You have to look at what your business model is and what makes sense um, because all three, that's what people do. But how you work together, you have to figure out what your skills and strengths are. So I worked with an enterprise AE from mid-market to SMB. My strength was, hey, I'm going to go find the research and the information and I'm going to like basically create videos on like how we need to go about it. So I orchestrated that process. But my AE was also really good at writing emails. So he would write really good emails and I would actually do videos to get in front of those people. Yeah. And then we decided on which buyer personas to go after. So this is when it gets super, super granular, just a tactical and then I'll hand off to Kyle. Like all of you right now, if you go in your CRM, probably actually have the percentage of rate of which person you schedule meetings with. Percentage of rate basically means that for the past six months, you probably have scheduled 60% of your meetings. Your first touch of meeting was with the VP of marketing. So what does that mean? That means you as an individual are really good at scheduling meetings with a VP of marketing. Whatever you're saying, they like it. I don't know why, but they like it, right? So you probably should keep doing that. And so for every single person in this chat, you actually can figure out your percentage of rate meeting is. Um, for me, when I was an SDR, it was VPs of, uh, it was VPs of like demand generation when I was at Terminus. It was like a 55% rate. Like I was scheduling them the majority of the time. So when I would work with my E, I said, I'm going to go after Jumanjin because I can, I can speak to them very well. He was really good at VP of marketing. So that's what he owned. And that's getting very granular. But if you do that, it just makes things easier. If you already know the language and you're good at it, why would you try to go reach out to someone else that you aren't scheduled to miss meetings with? Find that strengths and then you go from there. Strengths and weaknesses play a big role. Kyle, when we, when I went through that webinar that you did with our friend Devin Reed, which I thought was amazing, by the way, you had this great, like, how to function above and below the power line and what that means and how these roles function as you prospect and break this, break this wall down that's basically in front of all sellers when they're trying to get the attention of that prospect. Talk to me about these how you came up with them, how they function, uh, what they mean for sellers that are in the room today. How can they put them into, into practice today? Yeah. So typically, James, these are questions that a sales rep will ask kind of mid cycle, you know, your stage two, stage three, whatever it is, and you're, you're moving a deal forward. But what we have found is that these getting answers to these questions do a couple things. One early, like before an opportunity even exists. Mm -hmm. One, it gives your team a much better understanding of who all is involved and yep. kind of what the deal path needs to be to get a deal done. And two, the person that you're getting this information from becomes more bought in. They become more invested. There's some skin in the game for them. So they, they become kind of a quasi-champion for you before an opportunity even exists. And, and that's a really useful thing because this is a very consultative set of questions. You're just trying to learn. You're trying to help them. You're showing them that you're, you, if you are the champion of this deal, I'm not going to just put everything on your shoulders and then hope for a good result. I'm going to be there with you shepherding you along the way, trying to get the right people, trying to involve or enable the right people along the way. And so a lot of times what it, the process that we run at Clary, very similar to what Morgan just said. And I think Leela, uh, I believe asked, yeah, uh, in the chat, how do you figure out who reaches out to who and when? And the way that we have it kind of orchestrated is we have what we call revenue development or RDRs are reaching out to the folks that are traditionally considered below the power line, which is to say they're involved in a purchase decision, but they're not the ones signing on the dotted line. And they're reaching out to, and in that case, uh, for us, we sell the salespeople. So we're reaching out to a ton of AEs. We're reaching out to a lot of frontline sales managers, people that are really important stakeholders, but again, don't have decision-making authority. And we're asking them a version of these questions. We're also asking them a version of process-oriented questions. How do you go about prospecting today? How do you go about 
forecasting today. Just take me inside your world. And those kinds of conversations are so valuable so that when we reach out to the CRO, when the, our, our AE or our, our RDR reaches out to the person that has that decision-making authority, there's so much more context. And that context is something that is irreplaceable. And that's what you're really trying to do here. You're trying to do that fact-finding so that you can reach out to a CRO or to a decision-maker in a way that will actually break through the noise, actually show them that you know what's going on. And so, Leela, in the, in the chat, how do you do this? It t there's no silver bullet. You need to coordinate and you need to collaborate. You need to, in your account plan, what I recommend is you identify, here are all the personas that exist in the buying group, and literally, row by row, here's who's going to reach out to who with what messaging. So imagine kind of this table where your prospects are one column, the owner of that prospect is another column, and then the value props are another column, and then you have you know dates of your outreach and things like that. That's how you have to stay organized. And so plan, be planful, and make sure that you're coordinating who reaches to who when, and then hopefully your sales engagement platform, whatever it is, or your CRM, you yep. can see at all these touch points need to get tracked. No, CRM, hygiene, but you have to track this stuff so that you can see it and, and therefore know, okay, my RDR said she was going to reach out to this frontline sales manager. Here's what she sent. Did she get a reply? Yes, no. Okay, great. I'm going to reach out to the VP of sales with a similar message and like just stay coordinated that way. Again, no silver bullet. You have to be intentional. Everybody that I know in sales has one of these devices that are very rarely used. Pick up. Yeah, I know. There's an app on here, James. It's a phone and you can call the person that you're coordinating with and talk to them. Highly recommend, like replicate it. Many people on this call are working virtually. Replicate an in-office setting. Pick up the phone and have a two-minute conversation. Hey, did you do this, this, and this? Great. That's a hell of a lot better than waiting for a full day on Slack for a Slack response or setting up a meeting for, you know, two weeks from now to check it. Like pick up the phone and call and talk to each other. Yeah. That's how this stuff happens. Sounds so basic. Yeah. Yeah. Morgan, I've left you three messages. You haven't called me back yet. Uh listen, when we when we that's true, y'all. I did leave him three messages. Ask him. It's real. You gotta you got a voice note back. You know, I got the I got you know, you got a sweet little voice note. It's all good. I want to, I want, I encourage you guys to get a screenshot of, uh, this particular set of questions here right now, because those are good questions. While you guys do that, I want to talk to Morgan about something he said a minute ago. You mentioned that you, one person was doing great emails, so they would do the email and then you would do these group videos. Uh, what's a group video? Is this a video that's the same that goes to everybody in the group? Is this a, a different video for everyone in the group? Do I make a bunch of videos that are relevant <laughs> to what they care about? What's a group video, dude? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, this might not be, I'll tell you what the strategy is. It may not be applicable for all of you just due to the environment that we're in, but if you do want to try it, it did help us out a ton. So when I was in SDR, like I said, I worked with a lot of different AEs that we would collaborate with. And so there are accounts that they could not get into. So I was just like, all right, cool. Let's run this video together. So what we did is that we obviously were in the office at that time. That's why I said it may not be applicable for you, but it is an idea. And we would do the video together. So we both were there. So what I would do as the SDR, I would, I would tee it up and say, hey, I've been doing some research. This is what I found. And then I would give like our value prop. And then I would hand it off to the account executive. And what we would do is we would match every person we were reaching out to with something they already they had already like worked with, right? And they had done business with. So they were saying, hey, yeah, I'm we're talking to you because I just recently have started working with this industry and this company. 
And here's the results we saw on behalf of it. And that's why I've been talking to you directly. And I want to, you know, get on a call with you. So some of you may be like, okay, why is there two video in the two people in the video? I felt like it just validated it more and made it feel more special. And that, that's what people told us when they responded to those videos. But I would have literally be me. We have someone right here and we would send a double video there and it just stood out. Like nobody was doing that, right? Um, and and that, that got us into some major Fortune 500 and big accounts uh, across the board. And so that's something you can absolutely do, but you just have to know the skills of yourself and, and your team. But those code processing videos were... Great, great stuff. Uh, great stuff. I never, I like we, I've never actually sent a group video with me and another person in my, in my frame. So I'm now I'm thinking like, you know, can I get Dale Deere? We did some, uh, you know, for me. Like, we did some, we, <laughs> stopped, we, just, we started, then we started getting a little bit crazier with them. Like I have some, I've, I don't know if I can still find them, but we did some crazy ones. And I was just like, this is getting out of hand. Um, but I don't know, you got some fun with it. You know, I think, I think sometimes we, we we over engineer and overthink the way we should prospect instead of yeah. thinking interactive. And the yeah. other thing I'll add to that, Morgan, and a lot of why this works is just because it looks different. And I know that sounds like I'm discounting a lot of the actual strategy that you put into this, but getting somebody to engage with your video or engage with your messaging because it looks or feels different is a really important piece here. And so another tactic that I recommend to people, I, I get so few of these. You wouldn't like, I think single digits this entire year is on LinkedIn. You can send a group message on LinkedIn and just include, if you're an SCR, include your AE, include the prospect and send a message to the three of you. It just looks different. And like people don't get a ton of them and it'll stand out. I know that sounds really silly and below the line, but it really is like finding little avenues to that increase your level of effort because you can't automate that in any real way. You've got to do it manually. Yeah. Yeah. It just looks different. Your engagement's going to go up. Your response rates are going to go up. So Try and find ways of doing that. And then that answers Lila's question about how do you say coordinated? Well, you have effectively CC'd your AE or CC'd your SDR on all the outreach if, if you're just always on everything. So that's another uh, recommended strategy. I've already got a couple of really good takeaways from you guys. Uh, one of the ones that I think that I was doing well, which is good, very validating to hear that you guys do this, is I, always, I often think of like, what's my approach? Like, if I'm going to say that I have something that's valuable for a company, why is it valuable for this company? How does it fit? How do we go together? Can I articulate that in a concise manner that makes sense for the persona that I'm sending this this request for time to? Yep, uh, yep. Before we move forward, did anybody have anything before we move forward to the power line? Because I really want to get this power line conversation. I know you guys have good opinions around this. No, let's do it. Great. Do I, it. We got some good questions. Uh, Kyle's been answering questions as we've moved forward. I appreciate that, Kyle. Uh, get your questions in the <laughs> Q&A, y'all, because we're going to move to Q&A here real soon. Uh, let, let's talk a little bit about the power line. Well, one thing I noticed when you guys put this up on the screen when I went to the, well, the webinar you did was that the senior manager, for me, for a long time in my sales career, I thought this person had power and it was below the power line. And then the senior director, I've kind of had hit or miss experiences with does this person have power when the director title is there, especially on the senior level. Talk to me about this line and why you chose to put it here and not have the director and the senior manager kind of closer to that power line. Yeah, it's a great question, James. And, and the answer is it's different for every company. Okay. It's different for the segment that you sell to. It's different for the product that you sell. Like If you're selling a lower ACV, higher velocity type product that just requires somebody to swipe a credit card, then your power line is probably everybody like individual contributor could probably go buy your product right now notice okay. if you're selling a super complex enterprise platform type thing that's going to require the cio's buy-in then your power line needs to scoot over to the right 
So this is illustrative of how to think about where your prospects fall. And you, everybody on this call, and you, James, need to place the power line accordingly based on your segment, based on your product, based on whatever it is. So the mindset is what matters most. Place the line where the people above the line truly are the decision makers. They can really move a deal forward. Maybe they're not the economic buyer that's going to be signing on the dotted line, but they have the authority to move a decision forward versus the people that are below the line are more of those power users, the use case champions, people that are really valuable and very important. And you need to understand how they get their work done, but they're not necessarily going to be the power brokers inside the company that can push a deal forward. Mm -hmm. So find that line for whatever makes sense for your business. And that then informs the outreach strategies that you can do for each of those different kind of buckets of persona. I can appreciate that. And I think you're right. I think it's different depending on the industry. It's different depending on how long that person's been in that role. I find that some senior directors have only been a senior director for three months. How much pull can they really have, right? Uh, versus a senior director that's been there for seven years and has been in that role for five of those years. You know, you know oh, okay, let's, let's really talk about that, right? Uh, so know the difference between those two things, and it does help to kind of look at that. Morgan, thoughts on this power line, uh, how people can use something like this, a visual like this to their advantage? Yeah, I, I think Kyle said most of the things that I was going to say, so I don't reiterate that. I think yeah. simply, I think the, the biggest piece, right, is understanding below the power line is where you're going to get information to talk to people contextually above the power line because they are busy, right? So Katie talks, Katie talks about this a lot. Um, I've said this before, I'm, I'm probably heard me say this before, like groundswell prospecting, right? Like, are you reaching to people below the power line to get information, to have yourself more equipped to talk to people above the power line? Like I, like I even said this earlier. So I think it's important to, to get an understanding of like who's below that, because typically people who are below the power line, they do have good ideas and they may want to influence the organization, but they don't have a voice yet to make that decision. So you can be the person that can make those make the reality come true for them. And that's really big in being an ally for them in their organization because they're trying to make a splash as well. And that's things that you have to remember. And I think even at this point in this market, the CFO, the CFO, I think is actually probably the biggest decision maker of all time. It's become the number one, right? So you got to make sure that you're aligning in that direction. But I think ultimately everyone here knows what above and below looks like. I think it's just don't disregard the below the power line because they maybe don't make the decisions, but they can give you information to get in there. So that's what I, mean, I would say. What do you mean, guys? I only want to talk to people that are going to buy. Okay, let's get to the Q&A. <laughs> let's get to the Q&A. This is my favorite part of the show. And I always like this with these two gentlemen specifically because they give great answers to you. So I've given extra time today for q and I'm relying on everybody to throw their questions in. Let's start with, and I think I'm saying this, Zaki Araya asks, I sell to CFOs who usually sign off on new agreements, but the users of our service are directors and managers. So his buyer is the CFO, but the user is the director and manager. Looking at how these personas divide their time in a day, what strategies as far as time blocking for calls, emails, LinkedIn connects, et cetera, would you suggest? We'll start with Morgan for this one. Directors and managers of finance is that the context or just direct, like so i think i think just cfos of companies typically sign off that's his that's his yeah, financial user, buyer but his user is the directors and managers of finance i'm i don't assuming, think i don't think it's specifically finance that, no oh well contextually if i knew exactly what that was i can give you a very defined answer but like let's just say it's directors managers whatever so sure. at the end of the day like you have to think about someone's day to day i incur like how many of y'all in on this call Put a one in the chat. Have you, how many of y'all actually sat down or looked at your executive's calendar and actually see what's going on? 
Have any of y'all done this? One I do it. It gives me. It gives me. Most sellers have not done this, and there's nothing wrong with this. And it's okay if you haven't done this, but most sellers do not do this because the expectation is a seller. You're like, wait, people should just meet with me just cause. So yeah, no, <laughs> people have like no time if they're executive. They're in meetings all day long. So it's like you have to actually make that realization and say they don't have as much time to just be hanging out, right? So a lot there's minimum people just put one. So a lot of people maybe you don't want to put it, or maybe you haven't done this. I would encourage you literally get off this webinar. And be like, hey, CEO, CFO, CMO, whoever you sell to, say, let me look at your calendar for the month. You're probably going to have a headache and you're going to be like, oh my goodness, what is going on? Right. Yeah. Then you're going to realize you don't have much time to just read through a generic email and a yeah. generic message. I'm laughing because once you see this, you're going to be laughing too. You're like, wait, you, you, and, get you, and John's, you and John's calendar used to give me a literal like anxiety attack <laughs> when I would look at it. It was so, it was in insane. Kyle. Thoughts on this uh, this dynamic here? Well, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you a breakdown. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm gonna give you a tactical breakdown. They're really, really quick. So the thing at the end of the day, what you need to do is, I would encourage you to do research the afternoon before you yep. go into something. Prep yourself with research already. So you're all you're doing is what we call money making activities and taking action. You should block off an hour to do personalized emails. You should do you should do two one hour cold calling blocks if that works for you. You should have an hour blocking off to do videos. You should have an hour blocked off to do social. You need to time block what you should be doing. Otherwise, you will not do it and you will get distracted. My entire team had from beginning to end what we're doing and we hit our number every single month. So you just have to make sure at the end of the day that you are coming into day prepared and don't let the day mess you up. That's yeah. what I would say on that. Yo, don't let the day run you. You got to run the day, right? That, yeah. That's the, the move. Go ahead, Kyle. I could talk about on this topic for hours and i have i just shared a link to the prospecting academy there's a whole uh it's free for everybody if you want to check it out but there's a section on this exact topic i couldn't possibly agree more with morgan upstream of that time blocking you need to understand how many activities you actually need to execute and so what this little calculator is and i'll share it with everybody here if you want it is basically a way for you to say if i make this amount of calls with these conversion rates i can expect to get this many meetings and so once you understand, and the, by the way, all of these conversion rates that you see here are all benchmarks for what I've seen as like pretty good for, you know, mid-market selling and maybe different for you, SMB, enterprise, whatever, they're directionally accurate. Um, so once you understand what your activity mix is, then you do what Morgan said, create time blocks that allow you to go and execute all the things that you need to execute. If you need to make this many calls per week, make sure that you have enough call blocks to hit that many calls per week. If you need to do this much personalized outreach, set up your calendar so that you can go make that happen. I, this is not the most glamorous part of sales, but it is one of the more important parts of it. So Yo, do not do not sleep on this. That's real. Uh, if you look at my calendar, every hour is pretty much blocked off. Even if I plan on getting like 15 minutes between calls, that window is accounted for so that nothing can take it from me. It's really important the day doesn't run you. Uh, we have a great question here from Anonymous. Shout out to Anonymous. We appreciate the question. Uh, what strategies do you have to overcome hesitancy from AEs on this collaborative process when you talk about team selling, co-prospecting? Co SDRs are bought into this collab, but getting the AEs to be accountable for providing to be more difficult is proving to be more difficult uh, from an SDR leader. This anonymous attendee is an SDR leader. So SDRs seem to be amped. AEs kind of, eh. how do we get people motivated here, fellas? Morgan, kick it off. At the end of the day, you have to figure out what motivates them. What would motivate the AE to actually do this, right? So for example, if an AE is at 
300% of the number, I'm good. That's, I'm just telling you, you got to think about like the yeah. person, right? Yeah. Like I'm good. I probably don't need help. I'm just giving you a contextual example, right. but you have to understand what, what, what would help the A scenario for most AEs. They're running a lot of meetings, so they need help prospecting. So the SR leader needs to come in and say, Hey, I'm going to help your team. Like, it's just like selling, right? Like, Hey, AE, I know that you're probably running 15 meetings a week. You don't have time to build a pipeline. Exec team is down your throat, basically coming at you and being like, hey, this isn't going to work, right? So now it's like, okay, how do I make sure that like we can provide you an easy, seamless process? Hey, we can prospect you. We work in pods. Or maybe there's a select amount of AEs that want to do work together and you run an experiment, right? Three SDRs and three AEs that actually want to do this. You prove that it actually works and all the AEs will all of a sudden be really excited to do this. So it just depends on, I don't know the dynamic. I don't know the culture of the team because this actually answers dependent upon are you being incentivized for pipeline or AEs being incentivized for generating their own pipeline? No, I probably wouldn't want someone else. You got to think about this. I would right. want someone else to prospect if I'm getting incentivized for doing my self source deals. You got to, these are hard, these are like questions I don't know the answers to. But what I do know the answer to is you have to, if somebody doesn't want to do it, that's fine. Find the group of people that want to do it, yeah. prove that it actually works for a quarter, and then I guarantee you everyone's going to want to do it. So that's what I agree about it. Kyle, I agree. Kyle, I'm glad you agree. I would think the easiest thing to do would be to compensate slightly more for team sold deals, team prospected yeah. deals, compensate that AE more when they involve the SDR. And of course, they're going to be motivated to do it. Is that, is that a, is my oversimplifying the process here? Not at all. If you have a spiff budget, if there's some sort of extra monetary incentive you can send their way, like that moves the needle. But on the whole, Morgan's totally right. They're not, AEs aren't going to be bought in. Sales leadership isn't going to be bought in. Marketing leadership's not going to be bought unless there are results and until there are results. And this is true of, I, I run enablement at Clary. This is true of any enablement thing that you do. There's, it's always best to get a little beta group of people to then show, well, we'll first build this process, show that it has results. And then they are the ones that are presenting it back to the rest of their sales team. So that it's not me coming tops down and saying, go do this. It's bottoms up, the individual AEs and SDRs working together, presenting in a uh, sales all hands or whatever it is and saying, here's what we did. Here's the results we got. Here's a playbook. Come on, come on board. Uh, and when you can find a way to run those little beta programs and then the, the bottoms up enablement, that's the key to success. Yeah. This is good, right? You guys are getting a lot of insights here from people that have seen this work many, many times and really put, yeah, can I come work for you, Kyle? <laughs> we, got, we got a lot of love for Kyle in the room right here. Uh, I think it's an appropriate question for Morgan because you've been using ChatGPT in all types of creative ways. Again, shout out Anonymous for this question. Uh, what are some typical strategies on leveraging ChatGPT for this collaboration between AEs and SDRs? Uh, is that something that you've used internally with your teams? Have you seen this effective in some way? Transfer, I have not used it in a collaborative effort yet, so I won't have a tactical example of what you should do. I can only give you a conceptual of what I yeah. what I would do. Right. So when it when it comes down to collaborating with teams, I think a lot of what a lot of that was going to come down to is probably using like a ChatGPT four and inputting documents and PDFs and 10K reports to do faster research that then allows you to then segment segment and categorize how you actually want to go out and reach out to certain people, whether that's through cold emails or cold calling or whatever that may be, it will allow you to build these tables, graphs, whatever you're looking to do faster. That would probably be the best way to do it, but I have not used it tactically yet to give you like an in-depth, here's what you should do. 
Yeah. That's more so just like conceptually what I would believe to be true. I haven't either, but I do have some ideas. Kyle, I want your opinion on this too. In my opinion, the easiest step would be to compare prompts, share a doc that has all your chat GPT prompts and the results from those prompts, and then come up with the messaging together that most aligns with the value proposition that you're about to put in front of your prospect. I feel like if both of you are on the same page contextually, then the messages will become connected and that all obviously serves to bolster the team buying experience, right? We're all, we're all reaching out saying the same thing is kind of a big win for a lot of organizations where SDRs and AEs are often saying different things and that causes a lot of confusion for prospects. Kyle, what are your thoughts on this? Using the tech available to, to bolster this collaborative effort. Yeah, I agree with both of you. Like Morgan spot on the, the making the research, speeding up or accelerating the research process is a huge, huge use case for AI. If you're not already doing this, you are wasting time. Like you don't have to, and maybe you, you like to, but you don't have to listen <laughs> to the full 45 minute interview or podcast episode or whatever it is with that CEO or that company leader or whatever. You can paste the transcript yeah. into chat GPT and say, what are the five highlights from this transcript? And it'll tell you. And then you can say, hey, I sell forecasting software. For connect the dots between my value prop for forecasting software and what the CEO said in this interview. And then they'll connect the dots for you. Write me a hundred word email that connects. And so, and then you edit the email and you make it actually sound good and all those things. But there's all these work. <laughs> Don't forget that part. <laughs> and, the, and that's to your point, James, about what is kind of the prompt uh, workflow effectively that you can create and hone and share. And, and it goes all the way from uh, accelerating your research to writing the messaging to getting your team involved and, and all the rest. And you can use this for a whole bunch of things. Like I, I know that, you know, uh, um, Morgan is a big fan of uh, some sort of NBA player or some basketball or whatever. And I can say, hey, this prospect, Morgan, he's a fan of this NBA player. I sell forecasting software. Write me an email that connects the dots between those two things. Yeah. And ChatGPT will do it. And sometimes it sucks and sometimes it's good, but you can personalize your outreach that way too. So there's no shortage of prompts and creating a nice little prompt library is really smart. You're going to get a lot of great ideas from ChatGPT, and that is what it is supposed to be for at the at its current state. I don't think it's designed to do the work for you. So if that's your expectation, I promise you're probably going to be disappointed. Uh, we're going to drop Kyle and Morgan's LinkedIn's in the chat right now so that everybody on the show can go and connect with them. Uh, these guys are great experts to go learn from. Talk to them. They're real human beings that will give you the time of day and actually care about the things that they're telling you to help you be successful. Uh, I want to thank everybody for coming out and spending your time with us. We know that your time is valuable. Uh, shout out to Morgan and Kyle. As always, I appreciate you sharing your wisdom and your time with me and our audience. Best audience in the world. At the end of the show, you are going to get a survey. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you got from the show. What do you want to see more of? We create this stuff for you. And I want to be a big thanks to all our sponsors out there, our partners. We couldn't do this without you. Clary, JB Sales, and of course, OneShot. Welcome to the fam. Uh, once again, you guys have been great guests sharing your wisdom. We appreciate it. We'll see you guys tomorrow for another stellar guest to help you sell better. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.